Emergency services. Please, you gotta help me. There's this weird guy. Ma'am. Please. Ma'am, call us when you're dead. What the fuck? Welcome back, callers, to another episode of Call Us When You're Dead. I'm Keith. And I'm Ryan. And on today's episode, we are going to be covering the case of Ivan Milat. Milat? Mill, I don't give a shit, because he's an asshole. Right, yeah. Uh, You know what is also an asshole? What? That fucking model I've been working on. Oh, yeah, why don't you tell the callers about your model? Okay, so I bought a Titanic model because, if you don't know, I love everything Titanic-related. And I was like, oh, I want a Titanic model. So I bought one. However, the instructions are the worst type of instructions absolutely ever. They have said, like, oh, put this piece on and put this piece on. But they're the smaller pieces. And so when I'm trying to, like, attach other pieces, said smaller pieces have broken. And now I'm angry. Yeah, you're assembling the Titanic and it's already pre-sinking. Yeah, it's looking like it is broken up at the bottom of the ocean floor. (laughs) But you know what is not broken up at the bottom of the ocean floor? Oh, what's that? Our callers. Our callers. It is time for those shout-outs. We have Kim T. Jennifer S. And Eric C. Thank you guys so much for being callers. Without you guys listening, we would not be able to do the show. Or at least it would be a little less fun. True. Okay, callers, it's been a while since we took a trip outside of the U.S., so today we are heading to the Australian Outback. And because of that, as just a little side note, we are probably going to be mispronouncing some of these cities and names. I mean, we're not going to try to, but it will probably happen. Right, we mean no disrespect. Right, we never actually really mean disrespect when we say things wrong. Oh, speaking of, it's Huff, not Hugh, I heard from a source when i was talking about (laughs) julian huff yeah so sorry about that everyone however if you want me to say it a certain way maybe you spell it that way (laughs) so if you are a true listener of the call us when you're dead podcast you would know that we don't justify any of these criminals actions with telling you about their backgrounds right no never that's not why we're telling you it's just more so providing more information right because sometimes that information is needed as to why they have committed a crime correct and this disgusting excuse for a human being has quite the background so we're gonna just cover a little bit of that real quick yeah i love when they have a horrible background and become just as horrible as their background right not really that's horrible (laughs) so ivan was born in 1944 and he was fifth out of 14 children his alcoholic father was yugoslavian immigrant and his mother was an australian native ivan along with his 13 brothers and sisters were eventually sent to and enrolled in a private roman catholic school yet ivan grew up being a troublemaker He was antisocial and displayed psychopathic behavior. When we say psychopathic, though, we mean psychopathic. He enjoyed chasing and attacking animals with a machete. This got him sent to a residential school at the age of 13 years old. I mean, at 13, I already got all these red flags. Right. And so for those of you that don't know what a residential school is, it's like if you were a bad kid and they put you into a different school system that was just for the bad kid. Right. Let's combine all the bad kids into a bad kid's school. Right. It's like military camp. (laughs) But uh, can you imagine just 
13 year 13 years old what do you like to do oh yeah. i like to run around and chase animals with machetes that was not what i was doing at 13 uh it was not what i was doing at 13 either I'm pretty sure i was trying to dig up dinosaur bones <laughs> it didn't stop there though at 17 he got sent to juvie for theft at 19 he got sentenced for breaking and entering and at 20 he was arrested for driving a stolen car at 22 he was arrested again for theft and sentenced to three years so you can see the trend of this pile of shit for real wasting no time right it seems like most of his life was just spent in uh juvie by the time he was 22 or juvie in jail i guess my question is so he went to juvie by the time he was 17 and then his next crime doesn't happen until he was 18 was there like that a year stint in juvie is that why we don't go 17 18 (laughs) 19 uh yeah probably i don't know because then you get to 20 and he's arrested for the stolen car then you get to 22 so i'm guessing he probably spent a year at that point for the stolen car yeah probably so that clearly was the only way that he was staying out of trouble but i don't know if this is a missed opportunity whatever happened to three strikes he's already got five and he's 22 yeah something slipped there right somewhere so with all that being said let's get into that trusty time machine and head to new south wales area of australia in december of 1989 please keep your hands arms and legs inside the time machine at all times call us when your dad cannot be responsible for any lost limbs here we are going to meet a young australian couple from melbourne deborah everest and james gibson both 19 years old they were out for an adventure and decided to go backpacking around their beautiful country of australia that does sound fun though i would never want to go backpacking around australia have you seen the type of animals they have cows eat snakes there (laughs) i I don't know i would wouldn't mind doing to see some kangaroos and koalas nope i'm good the kangaroos and koalas can also be visited at your local zoo well i guess any callers out there who want to go out on a australian trip call me yeah because wide available i'm not going (laughs) because apparently keith does not want to go no not at all so when they wanted to get to their next destination area they decided to hitchhike good old 1980s right on december 29th 1989 they got in the vehicle with the wrong person and it cost them their lives see this is why you just don't hitchhike ever right people hitchhiking is bad right sadly their bodies would not be found until october 1993 almost four years later even though their bodies were skeletons at this point the medical examiner was able to determine that James was stabbed a total of eight times, including a large gash up his spine, which would have caused paralyzation. Paralysis? Paralysis. Paralyzation. I said it the way I wanted. All right, fair enough. Can you imagine stabbed so bad in the back? That you can still see it later on, even after the skeletons are there? Right. Because that means he really hit hard. Oh, yeah, and and especially causing, you know, a wound that would be causing paralysis. Right. That that would not be ideal. Exactly. Not only was Deborah stabbed as well, she was also savagely beaten. Her jaw was broken and her skull was fractured into in two different places. See, I don't know what would be worse, being stabbed a bunch or being stabbed and then also beat. Right. I I guess I would hope whatever would kill me the fastest. 
right. I I would rather it just be done and over with than right. having to suffer. For sure, for sure. Now to January 20th, 1991. Here we are going to meet a German native, 21-year-old Simone Schmidl. She was hitchhiking in Liverpool. Not the Liverpool in Europe, but a city located just west of Sydney, Australia, similar to David and Deborah and James. I don't know why I just said David. <laughs> Simone got in the wrong vehicle with the wrong person. It would almost take two years for her body to be found. Simone was found on November 1st, 1993. Her top and bra were pushed up around her neck. Again, the autopsy showed that Simone had a total of eight stab wounds, which two of those stab wounds in the back severed her spine and would have punctured her heart and lungs. Oh, Jesus Christ. That's... Yeah, that's wild. To think that, I mean, clearly this guy, I'm thinking, I don't know what's going on in Australia, but this guy really hates spines. Well, clearly, because he's <laughs> going right for it. Or he understands that that's the quickest way to subdue your victim. Yeah, maybe he knows the it will cause like paralysis and, and they can't run away then. Right, and the outback is... You know, clearly this is considered the outback, uh, and it's large, and there's just not a lot of houses unless you're in a city area. Right, right. You know, and so if he's doing this out in the middle of almost nowhere, you know, nobody's going to hear you, nobody's going to see you. She also still had jewelry on her, which told investigators that robbery was not the motive. Another unique find near the body was a backpack. However, it was not her backpack. It belonged to another missing backpacker named Anya Habscheid. She went missing with her boyfriend, Gaber Nukebuyer, back in December 1991. I feel like I just said his name wrong. Gaber Nukebuyer? Bauer. Bauer? Nukebauer. Okay. I'm really sorry about mispronouncing these names. They're clearly German and very <laughs> hard to pronounce. Yes. Yes, sir. They are some tricky names. So I was not meaning in a disrespect to their last name, but those are very different. So that will bring us to December 26th, 1991. Anya, who was 20 years old, and Gaber, who was 21 years old, were backpackers who loved a good adventure. Yeah, but they didn't want a good death. <laughs> they wanted to go see the Outback, not, hey, how quick can you chase me? Right. Well, they had plans for the ultimate adventure. Yeah, it wasn't that type of adventure. No, but they were going to backpack and hitchhike from King's Cross, Australia to Darwin, Australia. Like King's Okay, listen, now I've heard like two different Harry Potter terms. <laughs> so to help put this in perspective, if you're not familiar with the Australian geography, which I'm sure you are. I'm not. Yeah, no, me neither. It's almost 2,000 miles yep, apart. Yep, that's a big ass nope for me. Right. So to further help put that in perspective, it would be like the distance from Lansing, Michigan, which is Lansing's kind of like in the middle of the mitten, mm -hmm. to Las Vegas, Nevada. Oh, yeah, no, no. You know how much I'm walking? About none of that. I don't even Five like... feet to my fucking car. <laughs> yeah, I don't even like flying that distance. Right, to walk it? And then you have to find food and have money? That is that is not a one-day adventure. Oh, no, no, no. You it's, are looking at like a year. <laughs> yeah, it's if definitely, not more. definitely a lengthy adventure. And at that point, I think all of your family members, if they have not heard from you within that first three months, you're dead. Just right. automatically, you're dead. No, but listen, callers, if anybody says to you... Hey, would you like to walk 2,000 miles with and, me? And hitchhike. And hitchhike 2,000 miles with me? You look at them, and you disown them as a friend. They are not your friend. That <laughs> That is some bullshit right there. Just just kill that friend now. Right, because so, they are setting you up. So you both don't get killed later. And I don't care if it's your husband, your wife, your boyfriend, girlfriend. 
They are setting you up for failure. That is a failure is an option. And the only <laughs> option at this point is failure. Right. And that I'm not saying that to disrespect the victims. I'm saying that is not a friend. Right, right. And honestly, who needs that kind of negativity in their life? <laughs> their bodies would not be found for almost two years as well. In fact, they would be found only days after Simone's remains were found on November 3rd, 1993. And Ivan's attack became more vicious. Not only was Gaber strangled and stabbed multiple times, severing his spine, he was shot six times in the head. Anya was decapitated, and despite multiple searches, her head was never found. Yeah, so he stepped up his game, I guess? I would hate to say it, but her head was probably never found because an animal probably took it yeah that is definitely something that i was thinking because that this is not the first time that we've heard like oh remain not all of the remains have been found and typically it's like when it's in a forest or you know something like that and i just think it's probably because an animal took them unless he took it and no i don't think he took it because i think he wanted to found it he wanted a trophy of a face yeah, no, I'm thinking that it was more of an animal, which is sad. Right. So this will bring us to April 18th, 1992. British natives, 21-year-old Caroline Clark and 22-year-old Joanne Walters, were last seen in King's Cross, Australia. They were backpackers touring southern Australia. I don't know, I still think that'd be really cool. No, it's not. It's not cool. It is. No, we just talked about this. <laughs> However, when wanting to take a break from the walking, decided to hitchhike and ended up in ivan's vehicle in the end it would cost them their lives as well you know it's weird is everybody keeps going missing from or like their last scene at king's cross you would think that the detectives that because clearly you would think maybe detectives have started to look into this <laughs> at this point um that they would notice that all of the victims are going missing from the same general area and to start to look in that general area for somebody that might fit the profile of what they're looking for well that's actually kind of interesting that you brought it up okay because to eventually catch this guy they kind of do do that oh okay we'll, we'll See, talk about that, that later caroline and joanne's bodies wouldn't be found until september 19th 1992 only five months after being killed again ivan's attacks had become even more brutal this time joanne was found face down with her hands tied behind her back her top and bra were pushed up, and she had no bottoms on. She had been stabbed a total of 14 times. Five of those stab wounds were into her spine, and two of her ribs were completely severed. Holy fuck. Right. Like, How do you sever a fucking rib? I mean... I feel like that's one of the harder things <laughs> to... There's so many, you would think that that would be so much harder to get through. Yeah, I find it quite, I guess, interesting or shocking that if it was just a stab that allowed him to sever her spine. I need to know, is he using a machete? Are we going to find out? He's he's using a Bowie knife. Okay. Which, you know, is a has, big hunter knife. Right, it has all of the edges, correct? Uh, The bottom half of the blade does, and the top half of the blade is like a normal blade. Okay, so that makes sense then as to how he's cutting through. Right, but it makes things. me wonder if he like sawed it, or if he managed to stab it. And stab, stab and it went the all the way... Place all the way through where it got to the jagged teeth and that's what sawed the oh, rib off. Oh, God. I don't want to think about that. These blades aren't short blades. They no, are I under- 8 okay. to 10 inches. I understand. Yep. Well, I know you understand, but I want to make sure our callers understand the concept of a Bowie knife. Oh, God. It just ooh, gives me the heat oh, yeah. Just, what? Who's 
Is that Crocodile Dundee who has a Bowie knife? I have no idea. You are asking too many Australian... Rela- I'm going to have a lot <laughs> of hate mail from Australia after this. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> we know you listen. We see. Caroline's body was also face down. With her arms tied above her head, she was shot a total of... Ten. Ten times in the head. So I wrote the script and I apparently did not put the number in. Oh, that was very nice of you because yeah. all I see is callers. This is what I see. She was shot a total of times in the head. Don't know how many. You had to fill in the blank. I had to fill in the blank. Survey and this is not that type of adventure <laughs> book that I want to fill in the blank. On. Right. Turn to page four if you want twice. Yeah, no, I don't <laughs> want any. I would how I would rather her not have died at all. Right. Due to the entrance and exit wounds of the bullet holes, investigators were able to determine Caroline was shot from three different angles, which suggests to the investigators that the killer, which we know is Ivan, used Caroline's head as target practice. That is probably the most fucked up sentence I have ever had to say on this podcast. Yeah. I Thank felt- <laughs> you for that. You're kind of a dick. Well, first of all, you said, do you want me to do this next paragraph? And I said, sure. Right. And you could have said, maybe I should, because you're about ready to read something that's going to give you nightmares. Well, I had to type it. Okay. Well, you could have also read it. I mean, that's true. But you did. I I read it like a fucking champion, and it's now processing through my brain. (laughs) By October 1993, the New South Wales Police had established a task force and was offering a $500,000 reward, which is nearly a million dollars in today's money, for information leading to an arrest. The police completed a profile on the killer, which brought their suspect pool to a little over 200 people. Mm -mm, When there's a million dollars on the line, my neighbor did it. You did it. The dog did it. Everybody did it. Keep throwing things till something sticks. Something sticks, because I want that million. So, remember earlier, a little bit ago, you were talking about, oh, everything's happening in King's Cross. Yeah, yeah. So, they further applied a data analysis technique called link analysis to the list as well, which brought the suspect pool down to only 32 people. Ooh, see, okay. That's when you know, now, now somebody's going to get fucked. And for the callers who don't know, link analysis is a a technique used to evaluate relationships and connections between nodes or objects. So it was like further dissecting a killer's MO and highlighting the crime's similarity in terms of location, right. like King's Cross. Right, so everybody was being abducted, well, not abducted from King's Cross, but they're last seen in King's Cross, and then you kind of start looking at, well, who else is always by King's Cross or affiliated with that area? Right. And then... Those are the 32 people that you turn in, because one of those are (laughs) definitely going to stick, and then you're going to get your million. Right, and one of them do stick. Mm -hmm. Thanks to Ivan's spotty past, he was now on police's radar. Eventually, police were able to get a warrant to search Ivan's house. There, they discover various weapons, several guns, including a gun that matched the type that was used in the murders, along with a Bowie knife. Also uncovered was several items of the victims that he held onto as trophies and hid them inside his wall. Why you gotta put them in your walls, dude? I mean, I feel like it's definitely... Okay, so if I was a serial killer trying to lay low, but still wanted to be somewhat normal, I don't feel I would have my trophies on my coffee table. So when people come over and they're like, oh, cool, what's this? Oh, that's that's the person I murdered last week. I'm... Mm-mm. You know, I'm just getting, like, the, the tall tale heart feel out of this. Don't you feel, like, any guilt? Nothing? No? I don't feel guilt. I didn't kill these people. I'm not saying you did. I'm <laughs> saying if you were a serial killer and uh-huh. you were just keeping trophies hidden somewhere, wouldn't you start to feel guilt? No, I wouldn't be stupid enough to take a trophy. Yes, you would. I would not. Yes, you would. No, I wouldn't. 
Okay, callers, let's take a vote. Which one of us would keep a trophy? Email us at callusdead at yahoo.com to tell us what you think. (laughs) (laughs) Please don't actually tell us because that will cause a whole argument in this marriage that we do not need. (laughs) However, Ivan was arrested on May 22nd, 1994. So, Ryan, now that this dick has been clearly arrested, please get us into this trial. Oh, okay. It's pretty short and sweet and kind of ridiculous all at the same time. Well, I mean, like, how is he going to deny it? So Ivan did try his best to play the legal system. Of course he did. With some outrageous claims. Oh, okay, like... He tried saying that it was probably one of his brothers who did it. Oh, okay. I mean, you do have 13 other siblings. Yep, yep. Good to go. And then, going as far as stating, quote, There's no evidence, no police evidence, or whatever. And I argued that, and the judiciary, they just covered it up saying, Nah, 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 the Crown didn't have to prove that. End quote. So, I'm sorry. (laughs) What? What did I just read? There's no evidence, no police evidence, or whatever. And I argue that... And the judiciary, they just covered up saying, nah, 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 the crowd didn't so make that make sense to me. I'm all right, sorry. All right. He's claiming that the police are just trying to pin it on him. Sir, they were in your walls. Well, that's what's so fucking outrageous about it. He's saying that there's no Did evidence. Did Santa come and drop off the <laughs> gifts of people, victims, stuff into your walls and say, hey, shh, I'll be back. Which is why it is so fucking ridiculous. Because he says, oh, a direct quote from him, that there's no evidence. They found the victim's shit inside your walls. Inside your walls. He is definitely one that said, deny, deny, deny. I do not (laughs) recall. I need an attorney. Right. You know, with the pool, it was keep throwing names until it sticks. He keeps throwing excuses, hoping one will stick. Right. How? Oh, my God. The crowd didn't have to prove what I did. (laughs) no sir they already proved it right and in the end he was found guilty of all seven murders he was good he was goodbye he was given a life sentence without the possibility of parole for each victim right go directly to prison do not pass go do not collect two hundred dollars do not call nobody because nobody wants to see you true he did die in prison on october 27th 2019 at the age of 74 wow he just recently died yeah it was fairly recent and he maintained his innocence they, up why? until that they last always day. do god they always do <laughs> i am all for the innocence project i understand that there are people that are in prison right now for crimes that they did not commit and that is so sad. When I find evidence in your walls, and it's your home, and you're the only one that lives in your home, and nobody else lives there, you know who I'm not blaming? Your brothers or sisters. <laughs> I'm blaming you. Yeah, it, it was just funny. It was just so fucking funny. That... It, it's like being caught on surveillance, <laughs> and then saying, I didn't shoot that person. And Sir, then... I see you right there. In the video, clear as day. God, that just some a little bit of accountability and just saying, hey, what I did was so wrong and it's never going to make it better. It'll never make what this person did better. But have at least some fucking accountability for your actions and own up to what you did. For sure. So I did read in one of the articles that earlier in 2019, he was like on his deathbed. Mm -hmm. And a reporter did try to get like a deathbed confession from him. And let me guess, he said it wasn't 
mine. I didn't put them in the wall. Denied, denied, denied. And he even denied knowing the people. Did somebody, did somebody just, if I was that reporter, I would have been like, I'm going to take this pillow and we're just going to play a fun game called How Long Can You Breathe Underneath the Pillow? <laughs> and then when he stopped breathing, I would just hold it a little bit tight. True story. So, how is this related to the season five theme of Murderous Entertainment? There are several books written about Ivan Milat, along with some miniseries and documentaries, but the main correlation is because of the movie it inspired. It inspired the 2005 horror movie Wolf Creek and Wolf Creek 2. So there you go, callers. Yeah. That is episode six, season five of Murderous Entertainment. Now, before we go, we do want to remember these victims' names. They were taken far too soon, and they probably had a lot going for their lives. I know I made jokes about convincing your friend to, or your girlfriend or boyfriend to go on a 2,000-mile hike. Nobody should ever do that to you. <laughs> they didn't deserve to die. None of these people deserved to be victimized in the way that they were victimized. And truly, I only make jokes the way that I do sometimes because it is the only way for me to get through some of this because it is so bad. Deborah Everest, 19. James Gibson, 19. Simone Schmidl, 21. Anya Hebshin, 20. Gaber Nugenbeyer, 21. Caroline Clark, 21. Joanne Walters, 22. As we always talk about on this podcast, you are always in charge of your own mental health. And this guy clearly had some mental health issues. Clearly. So if you or anybody that you know is having a trouble with mental health or suicide, please contact 988. There are trained professionals there in your area standing by to help you. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast wherever you are listening. Also, don't forget to follow us on socials, facebook.com slash callusdad. Follow us on TikTok at callusonedead, where you can see some fun videos of us, or better yet, the cat, Jakaris, the babies, Emma and Regina, or of course, our girls, Lola and Bailey, or email us at callusdead at yahoo.com to tell us what you thought about the case, ask some questions, suggest some cases, or just to say hi. Also, if any of you callers would like us to give a shout out or message to someone you know, let us know. But until then, remember to stay strong, do everything with love, know there is always hope. And if you forget, you can always call, call us when, when you're, you're dead. dead.